understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. Welcome to the David McWilliams podcast, the podcast, you know, that aims to make economics more comprehensible, a little bit more enjoyable, and hopefully a little bit more applicable to everyone's lives. This week, we've got a bonus episode for you, brought to you by Done Deal Motors. Now, they've asked us to give you the lowdown on price fluctuations, on interest rates, on market value perceptions, but obviously on what is going on in the economy and what happens in the economy when interest rates are low and then they change. Because last week, John, what you'll have noticed is the ECB raised interest rates by half a percentage yes, point. Yes, right? yes, again. We've spoken about the fact that the central bankers are now going to probably clobber people because they're trying to pretend that they're on top of the inflation game and how that will manifest itself as interest rates rising. So the, the backdrop for this particular podcast is, look at what's happening. Bank mm. of England increased. Yep. ECB increased. Fed increased. We are in an interest rate tightening cycle, one of which that I think will be further amplified by the fact that central bankers, having not panicked during the pandemic, are panicking now. Right, okay. Well, this is going to be interesting. But before we get into that, let's talk about value and what exactly value is. I know it's it's kind of subjective. Yeah, I'll tell you about value is one of the most fascinating concepts for humanity not just for economics, Mm. the notion of what you value and what I value. And probably all comes down to humans' really unusual but recurring fascination and obsession with status, Mm. having status. And what you value, so you've got like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay, so once you're fed and watered and you're clothed and you have a roof over your head, value morphs into not something that you need, but something that you want. I'll give you a funny story about value and differences in value. Many years ago, when I first went to Russia, John, mm. in 1980, whenever it was, like loads, loads of years ago, right? <laughs> Very bizarre thing happened. So you're in Russia, you're Westerners, so you stand out like a sore thumb back then, okay? So it was just kind of second-rate KGB, like, like almost like policeman, policeman plod, sort of walking yeah. around in, in ladders, observing you. You're being followed by everybody. It's kind of mad stuff, right? But a black market guy approached us because we you could see that you we were a bunch of students and we were foreigners. And he said, um, you know, we'd like, to, uh, we'd like to exchange stuff with you. What do you have? And of course, we had been wise to all this. We both brought secondhand Levi's. Do you remember that? Yes. In the old days, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he had on offer was champagne and wine from Georgia, right? Okay. So he Georgia said, being the, the home of wine. The home, yes, I think the original home of yeah, wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we said, okay, we'll meet you. We were sitting in the Hotel Sevastopol. Right. And it was... Sounds we, fancy. It sounds fancy. It wasn't that fancy, right? <laughs> it was right. January of 1988, I think it was, or okay. 87, right? One of those years, I can't remember. It's a bit of a blur. But I remember distinctly, <laughs> he arrived. I actually think his name is Sergei probably end up being an oligarch or right. something like this, right? But he arrived with four or five of his mates. And there were three or four, I remember, very pretty Russian girls, all called Svetlana, which is a great name because it means the rocket. Right. Okay. Svetlana means the star, the rocket, okay? Right. Yeah, the, yeah. the beautiful celestial one, right? Yeah. And But this is the interesting value. 
the beautiful moment in trade where everybody gets the best out of trade is when I think I've had you and you think you've had me, mm. right? So what happened to the Russians is we offered them our secondhand Levi jeans, right? Which you thought, why would you bother yeah. this? And the Svetlanas were very, very happy because it was obviously, there was loads of girls with us. It was a college trip, right? Yeah. So they gave them their jeans. We couldn't understand how they could possibly exchange all this wine and all this champagne which we thought was incredibly valuable because we didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. For our genes, which they thought was very valuable because they didn't have it. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so the, the nexus of all great trades in value is when one person thinks, I've just pulled the wool over that fellow's eyes. Yeah. And vice versa. And that's what happened in this trade. They thought we were Egypts. We thought they were Egypts. Everyone's shaking hands. And, and everyone went away happy. A, yeah, with a big everyone happy went, head on Exactly, them. <laughs> exactly. So what does that tell you? It tells you the value is about status. Yeah. And status is this incredibly ephemeral thing in humanity, right? We all want it. And we all want to acquire it in some way, shape, or form because we want esteem. You know, this very strange human idea of esteem mm. to be valued, to be seen as worthy, as worthwhile. It's a very, very deep social tell almost, like social messaging service that humans have. And no other animal really is into it because most other animals' status is like the alpha male. Mm. right? The big muscular ape or the bigger dog or whatever. But humans have this subtlety of that status, which can be highly, highly unusual and very, very specific. Now, what the amazing thing about status then is that yearning for status drops into value. And that's what we value. So for example, you've got somebody like me who doesn't drive. Yeah. There are other people for whom driving a car is an ultimate status symbol, mm. right? You know, Maybe I just like reading books or something. You know, but you do it for status. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Don't, yeah. don't be in, under any illusion that you're above this yeah. because all humans want it. And there's two ways of getting status. One is inherited status, right? So in the old days, in traditional days, prince or the lord or whatever, right? You inherit status. The other one is acquired status. You acquire status. Mm. How do you acquire status? For many people, it's possessions. So you generate money in order to acquire possessions, in order to acquire status, to give you a place in the hierarchy of societies. And these are very, very deep, human, almost instinctive urges, I think. Yeah, and that's where, I suppose, things like brands start coming in. Yes. And, and the notion of branding something and putting a value. You, you always talk about the kind of irrationality of, of the human. The beautiful, the, yeah. It's the beautiful, beautiful irrationality yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the human. But, I mean, it's things like, I mean, if, if you look back in history as well, you know, the story of, of tulip mania, people putting this value on these tulips. Do you know they were called? They were called the Semper Augustus was the tulip of choice. Right. Right? So that's like the BMW. It's like or the, the BMW. It, well, and very interesting you talk about that. We'll talk about that in a second. Branding is a, is a phenomenally fascinating area of human psychology. I've always been really interested in it. Mm. Uh, quite impervious to it myself, but not completely impervious, right? But I've seen you swagger around. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> anyway, anyway. But one of the very interesting things about branding is when a product moves from, you know, what do you want to do? if you're a brand manager, one of those people who thinks of this, is not get the person who buys your product to say, I like that. Yeah. 
the real nexus, the real elixir for branding is not, I like that, but I am like that. Yes. So yes. I am yeah, part yeah, yeah. of this tribe. So I am part of the Adidas tribe or the BMW tribe or the Spotify tribe or whatever it happens to be. Mm. And that's where I think this weird nexus of human valuation, the obsession with stats that humans need to find a place in the hierarchy, number one, and branding and human psychology come together. The I am like that. So if you go back to Tulip Mania was about a combination. The I am like that was the FOMO idea mm. that people had fear of missing out. The story is amazing. Story actually really, really involves a 12 or 18 month period between 1635, 36 and February 1637. The location is, it's very, very short, short, very, very short. The location is Harlem, is Amsterdam, all in the Netherlands. There is a place at the moment, even today, John, the biggest flower market in the world is in a place called Alkmaier which is in the Netherlands. Mm. So the Dutch have been into flowers for a long, long time. And this is an extraordinary market that every single day, every single trading day of the year, flowers are priced in Holland. And that is the global... Yes. Think about it. And people thought, why were the Dutch so into flowers? It's fascinating. One was the idea that Dutch countryside is very, very flat. Yeah. So if you go to Holland, there's absolutely nothing punctuating your view. All flat, right? Whereas yeah. in Ireland, it's rivers and mountains and drumlins yeah. and la la. So they think that maybe the Dutch, the early 17th century Dutch, wanted to make their own landscape more colourful. Oh, just a bit of splash of colour. Yeah, yes, and, and exactly. Okay, exactly. Right. Yeah. Because it's not normal that society absorbs an interest in flowers and the one across the way, the Germans, do not. Right? It's an yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. thing. So why did the Dutch do it? Number one, they think it was because of the flatness of the society. Yeah. So back to what you value. Yeah. Right? Sorry, just as a thing there, I drove across the American prairies once. It took me a few days to drive across the American prairies. Just green. Just as far as the eye could see. Just feels brown or green. Yeah. And by Jesus, at the end of it, I was going mad. I was yeah. actually going mad. Yeah, you end up sounding like Fargo, eh? <laughs> see a man being chopped up and machined. <laughs> anyway, and then... So that was, that was one theory. The second theory was that because Holland was incredibly well populated, mm. and Dutch people lived in very dense settlements, much well before everybody else, right? That because they lived in little dense settlements, little flats and they had little small mm. gardens, yeah. that in order to make their gardens different from each other, they right. experimented enormously in flowers. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, why does this happen to a society? Yeah, yeah. So there's this interest in flowers going on. And then the ambassador of the Ottoman Empire. So you mean the Ottoman Empire was the biggest empire. Mm. Holland in 1637 was the richest country in the world. Imagine that. And Amsterdam was the richest country, richest city in the world. The Ottoman ambassador introduces tulips into this society that's already into flowers. Okay, this is the interesting thing, right? About 40 years prior to the tulip mania. Yeah. And the reason that they're called tulips is tulip is the Ottoman Turkish word for a turban. Right, and okay. The top yeah. of a tulip looks like yeah. a turban. So, of course, the status-obsessed Dutch started to actually reveal their, look at my garden, my yeah. tulips, right? Another thing that happened in Holland was the following. 
If you go to Amsterdam now, even though Amsterdam was the richest city in the world, it doesn't feel like a rich city. So there's no big open wide boulevards in Holland, right? Mm. If you think of London or yeah, Paris, right. yeah, yeah. you know, mega cities with big boulevards for parades and kings. The Dutch were the richest, little small narrow streets, mm. all beside the canals, people living on top of each other, right? Yeah. And one of the things that Dutch wanted, you know, the, I've always said this, I love, what I love is a bragging wall, you know, the good room. Yes. Where your yeah, granny yeah. would have a bragging wall, right? <laughs> Look at my grandson David on the television, that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Bragging wall, right? So the Dutch used their windows that faced out onto the street to brag, Yeah. right? And of course, the best brag you could have was in your window, you could have the most resplendent tulip. So all of this valuing was moving along. And that's as grand as the way society worked. And the, the horticulturists were dabbling. And of course, the reason that tulips are interesting is there's a gestation period. Mm. So you buy the seeds, you plant the tulip, and if the price of tulips is rising, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, You just yeah. keep buying the seed. And of course, because they didn't understand genetics in the way we do, there was no real genetic engineering. This was before Gregor Mendel and all this, right? You could buy a seed of a commoner gardener tulip Right, what you thought it was, yeah, and there was a chance that it became the Augustus Semper. Oh, so king. So, so, so there was a bit of speculation in the whole thing, there right? Was like so, so it's a, it's a bit like a lottery ticket type. Exactly, of thing. Right. exactly. So you put all this together. <laughs> That's good. You put all this together, and then the final part of the equation is interest rates, which is come back to our point, right? Mm. So Holland is at war with Spain in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. The Spaniards occupied the Lowlands. Belgium in particular. Yeah. Uh, the Dutch win the war miraculously against Spain. Spain's a much bigger power. And what happens is all the capital that left Holland, if they're going to lose the war, comes back into Holland, right? Mm. As capital comes back into Holland, interest rates begin to fall. So you've got this kind of obsession with value and flowers and status. Then you get this hit by this fall in the rate of interest. And suddenly what the rate of interest always does when it falls is it dries up the value of assets. So you also have the Dutch East India Company, yeah. which is set up in 1602, right? Mm. Biggest company in the world. He's a Dutch stock market set up in 1609. Into this slightly speculative mania, you get the tulips and you get the low interest rates. And very, very quickly, during the early 1630s, people start buying tulips and start making money hand over fist. This begins to attract in people from all over Europe. And there is no credit in the system. So what the Dutch start to do, they start to advance like cows and and, and uh, right. houses as collateral. Yeah. So very, very quickly, this speculative mania begins to take off. And you get the crazy situation where, in the end, tulips were being traded at multiples of the price of a house in Amsterdam. And the tulip mania is called tulip vorde, which comes from weirdness. Vorde comes from weird. Right. So oh, okay. Yeah, tulip yeah. weirdness is what they call yeah. it, right? That's very accurate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it really engulfed Holland. And of course, what happens, a bit like your bitcoins or your this, that, and the other, any speculative asset, if you buy it early enough and it goes up, yeah, will create this FOMO moment for others to, to repeat this. So the, the, the main agitators for tulip mania were people who actually did make money on it. Yeah. 
like NFTs, they actually did yeah. make money. Same sort of nonsense though, right? But these things, things have go, no fundamental value. But these things go in a cycle. They do. And, and, and they do. so there's always an economic cycle yeah. in, in all yeah, of this. Yeah, there is. They're part of the credit cycle. The credit cycle, yeah. right. And, and, and as a result, you know, prices are going up and down and inflation comes into it. Let's talk about that. But before we continue, we'd like to thank Dundeal Motors for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for a premium car, check out dundeal.ie. They have all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Your next car is on Dundeal. Just getting back to price cycles and yes. fluctuations and all the rest. What I have noticed is even with the central banks increasing interest rates, prices are still going up. Yes. And actually what should be happening is they should be coming down. Yeah. But what I've noticed actually is in the car market as well. It's a really strange one, actually. Usually what happens in recessions is the secondhand car market shoots up. Yeah. And the new car market decreases. But that doesn't seem to be the case at this. So people are buying new cars now. Apparently so. So this is a fascinating perversion that has happened yeah. because of the pandemic. So during the pandemic, what happened was we stopped spending money on social issues, going out, mm. right? Think of big what happened, right? There's no one to go out to. Yeah. So people didn't go out to restaurants. They didn't go out to bars. They didn't go out to the cinema. They didn't go on holidays, right? Yeah. These are big, chunky items of spending that most people set aside money every year in order to do. Yeah. So you go your holidays, you go away for weekends, you go partying, all that sort of stuff. You go clubbing, all that carry on. So if you're not doing that, the money you would have spent on that, you have for something else. Mm. So what you saw was this rapid shift in consumer spending all over the Western world into what they call big ticket items. Stuff. Right. Cars. Okay. Yeah. Fridges. Kitchens. Home improvements, all that sort of stuff. Your big TV. My, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I swear you to you. You were saving for that for years. I have been sitting, I'm telling you now, I've just turned into, I mean, the kids just laugh because they're not here, but on the family WhatsApp kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, Daddy, are you watching telly again? I'm, I'm sitting here luxuriating. My big telly, right? My big, <laughs> big pandemic. Of popcorn. My big <laughs> pandemic telly, right? All that stuff, right? Now, in order for those things to be delivered punctually to us, in the West, because they all come from Asia, mm. you need a very efficient supply chain. Yeah. And of course, what happened during the pandemic was you get this massive demand for stuff, for real things, what they used to call in the old days, white goods. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Remember the, the expression, white goods, right? You get a massive demand for that. New cars being a great example. But new cars are a product of international supply chains. And what you got during the pandemic was, hey, you got a massive increase in demand for these things. But you had supply chain problems because people couldn't produce them in factories. So if you're not going to work mm. to produce things like chips and whatever, mm. you're going to have what they call, it's, it, it's called the golden screw problems in supply chains, that you can just be missing one little part yeah. of the supply chain and the whole thing stops. Because yes. every supply chain, so every car has got thousands of components in, in it. And all those thousands of components have to arrive at one assembly place at the same time yeah, yeah, in yeah. order for it to It's put a logistical up. nightmare. Exactly. Yeah. So if one of those is down because people aren't working in the factory in China or whatever, it stops. So suddenly what you saw was the demand for new cars went up, but the supply of new cars went down. Right? Right. Okay. okay. So then people thought, okay, well, if I don't have a new Tesla, 
I'll buy a secondhand Tesla. Mm. So the demand for secondhand cars went through the roof. Not because people wanted to buy secondhand cars, but because they couldn't get new cars. Yeah. So that's what you've seen this bizarre thing, which is that new car prices, which were always at a huge premium to secondhand cars, that premium narrowed dramatically in the last two years. Actually, do you know what's interesting, Mark? I've been looking at some figures that Dundeal gave us. And what you're saying there actually rings true, funnily enough. Well, but about that. <laughs> this is not a fact, Ted. This is like Father Ted. That's Dougal. But, but, but listen go, to go, this. Give, give, us, give us the figures. Okay. So on the kind of lower price cars, they've shot up year on year by 37%. Wow. Expensive cars, on the other hand, have shot up only 20%. These are all second-hand cars, are they? Yes, these are the, the used car prices. Inflation year on year. So that kind of rings it. But it, yeah. give us a... Well, us well, that makes sense. So so again, let's let's think about who buys cheaper cars. Yeah. Okay, cheaper second-hand cars. Are first-time drivers, younger drivers, more or less. Yeah. Now, take what I said about the pandemic and that change in the dynamic in the car market which is now biased towards second-hand cars because they exist. And then you take, for example, house price rents in Ireland. So lots and lots of younger people are choosing, because rents are so expensive, to stay with their mum and dad. Yeah. But but they've still got a lot of bread because if you're working out, even if you have a part-time job, if you're not paying rent and you're not paying food because your mum and dad are paying for it, and you're 22, 23, chances are, you probably have a bit of cash set aside, right? And chances are you didn't spend any of that cash in the pandemic. And chances are you may even have been on the pub payment. The PUP, yeah. The PUP payment. So you're getting quite a lot of bread. Yeah. What do you do? You buy a jam jar, right? But you don't buy an expensive one. You go towards the lower yeah, end of the want, used car. You just want to get around. Get, get, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that explains why cheaper secondhand cars have increased in price quicker than more expensive second-hand cars. And it explains why second-hand cars in general have gone up in price vis-a-vis new cars. So that premium that was always there, because you know that the, the maybe the worst thing you could ever buy was a new car in terms of economic value, because mm. the value just went collapsed yeah, straight go, away. Yeah, yeah. But you buy it for status. Yes. And this is where status comes back into the equation, because status is pushing you to drive these new cars when you, even you know deep down that it's going to be yeah. costing you. But you acquired the status. Yeah, it's it's amazing actually because I'm just looking over some of these figures as well. Like for instance, an Audi A3. Do you know what that is, Mike? No, no. An Audi A3 is a nice car. Actually. Is it okay? Uh, an Audi A3, 2013. So second hand. Yeah. You'd expect to pay around six or seven grand for that. Okay. The actual current value is twelve and a half grand. Wow. So this second hand car has doubled in price. Almost doubled in price. And a BMW 5 Series. That's a good be, car too, I presume. It, it is. Okay. Uh, 2015, this is so according to Dundeal, 2015, the expected value would have been about 14 and a half grand. And the actual current value is over 20 grand. So these are, it, the, the difference is enormous. That actually. is enormous. That is enormous. And again, it comes back to the idea, and this is the funniest thing, you know, the, way, the big trends in the economy have really material impacts on people's lives. Yeah. Right? This is a great example. So you have this weird perfect storm of the pandemic and supply chain problems. Of course, you've got chip problems. Now the Americans have banned all chip sales. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything in China. Yeah. And the reverberation of all that 
is going to be a supply chain problem for everything that comes out of China because they don't have the essential components. Yeah. And how that impacts then is you're sitting around thinking, well, how do I it's very far away. Mm. And then you go online to buy a second hand car. And why you go online to buy a second hand car? Because you're priced out of the housing market because our housing policy is, is, is not working. But you have a good job. Yeah. You have good income. You've got a good track record. You know, the bank then will give you money because they're trying to lend yeah. money. And you just want to get out of the Ma's house to go down the country for the weekend. The you want to get away from the Ma. Who doesn't want to get away from the Ma? This is, this is an elemental, <laughs> you know, young Irish issues, right? And you have money exactly. to spend. And you go to buy your Audi, was it, John? An Audi or yeah. a BMW or whatever it is. Well, maybe if you're a kid, you're not buying an Audi or BMW. And suddenly you see the price has gone through the roof. And the reason the price has gone through the roof is because economics matters. And big economic issues, although it seems that there's, there's rumbles many, many thousands of miles away from your life, percolate right down to your yeah. buying decisions. And that's why this thing matters. So there you have it. Value, interest rates, price fluctuations explained in a simple, hopefully enjoyable manner. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank Dundeal Motors for helping us make this chat happen. If you're looking for a car in Ireland, make sure to check out dundeal.ie first. They have the largest selection of cars in the country from all over Ireland's most trusted dealerships, including new cars and electric vehicles.